0: If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Romans 8:11
1: Morning. Um, when I got here this morning and I was testing my mic, I uh, realized I match the church today. <laughs> so I, I, I promise I, I didn't call. I think it was probably Sherilyn who did the decor today. I did. It wasn't. <laughs> I did. I was not in co- cohort with the person who put the decor together, but uh, I have come prepared. <laughs> Um, I'm just going to speak to you today about a message that's been on my heart um, probably since this summer, and this message came to me um, just through our journey we've been on, And, and I was spending some time in reflection in a book I was reading, and I was thinking, you know, throughout the season of Christ's life, we celebrate his birth, we celebrate Advent, Christmas, Epiphany. Um, three months later, we commemorate Ash Wednesday, Lent and Palm Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter. Um, but what do we do with the Saturday that falls between Good Friday and Easter? Um, and I titled this ser- sermon, Waiting on Sunday, but the more I've thought about it, I actually think this title should be called, or this sermon should be titled, um, Good Friday, or good, how to be a Saturday person in a Good Friday world. That's kind of been the phrase that's uh, sat with me all week as I've been thinking about this, and uh, this was something, like I said, I started considering this past summer when I read a book that was gifted to me by my friend Natasha. Um, she gifts this book to friends um, after they've experienced a loss in their life, and it's written by Levi Lesko, who's a pastor in the U.S. He preaches a quite uh, large congregation there. And he wrote this book after his daughter Lenya passed away. Um, She had an asthma attack just before Christmas. Um, Like, I think it was, I might be recalling it incorrectly, but I think it was like December 23rd. She had an asthma attack and passed away in the ER of the hospital. And uh, he wrote this book about his life. And, uh, I mean, this is a man who's like so deeply rooted in faith that as he's standing in the ER of the hospital, as they go to leave, His wife sends him back in with their Christmas Eve service information and tells him to invite the nurses and the doctors (laughs) to come to church. And he preached that weekend after his daughter passed away, which is just truly remarkable to me. And uh, Levi talks about a lot of things in this book, but the thing that resonated the deepest with me was that his life is now a life of Saturdays. And you know, you think Saturday's like a really good day of the week. Like you got Friday, you still have to work, so you only get a few hours in the evening. Sunday, you have church and lots of activity and busyness. But like Saturday is your your free day, usually, for a lot of people. It's your day, you just get to do whatever you want to do. But if you look at Saturday from a biblical perspective, that was the day that Jesus was in the tomb. And so as a Christian, Saturday is actually. A very heavy day. Um, and so when, when we think about that, you know, that's a, actually a significant high point on our church calendar, I believe, um, because Saturday should be more than a day we say, yesterday he died, tomorrow he's going to rise again. But today, not much is happening I think it's a red letter day, my friends. (laughs) It's the day that I believe everyone who was following to Jesus had to cling the most to the teachings he had brought to them. They had to cling the most to hope as they sat mourning and hoping and begging and holding on to the promises of God. When you think about it, Saturday was probably a day full, full of crushing disappointment. Everyone had been told what was gonna happen on Friday, but I don't believe they really understood. I, I think that, you know, Jesus had told them this thing was gonna happen, they, they'd had the had supper together, they, they'd come into, the, into Jerusalem, they'd had all these, this big high point of a week. And I think psychologically they all convinced themselves that what was gonna happen wasn't really gonna happen. I believe they all hoped at the last second that everything would change, that something would pivot and they would not have to watch Jesus suffer and die on the cross. But we know, and they learned, that 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 is not what happened, that Jesus was going to die. Everything that Jesus had told them was going to happen did. Saturday was full of grief. It was a time when promises had been made, but they hadn't been fulfilled yet. Jesus told them he was going to come back. He said death was not going to be the end of his story. He had promised that if the temple of his body was going to be torn down, it would be rebuilt. But on Saturday, he hadn't risen yet. All day Saturday, Jesus' spirit was in heaven with his father the th- and the thief on the cross, which is really just so wonderful when you think about that. But for his disciples, Saturday was filled with loss. Jesus' body for them was still dead and cold in a tomb behind a stone that had not yet been rolled away. On Saturday, the rock in front of the tomb embodied the death. Of all of their dreams and Jesus' promise of a resurrection probably seemed absolutely, totally, and completely absurd. Sunday was coming, but it wasn't there yet. The last they knew was Friday when they said, It is finished. So let's talk about what Saturday probably looked like for some of the people that were closest to Jesus. only 48 hours earlier peter would never have believed it would all come down to this peter told jesus others are going to deny you but i i will not deny you jesus i love you i follow you i worship you i'm not going to deny you yet he did not once but three times peter denied his relationship with jesus i imagine on saturday every single time Peter heard a rooster crow. He had a lump in his throat and a knot in his belly. He had denied knowing how terrible it must have felt. I imagine him falling into sobs of grief and worry and pain for the choices he had made in those days prior. I wonder, did he stand out on the street and scream Jesus' name trying to erase the denial that had happened just hours earlier? I mean, just let it sit with you for a second. This man loved Jesus. We know he loved Jesus. But he denied him. And he denied him at some of the darkest, hardest moments of his life. Think about a beautiful home a short distance outside Jerusalem. There's three people sitting there. Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, these three were really prominent in the life of Jesus. Lazarus himself had been raised by the, from the dead by Jesus not that long ago, really only weeks prior. Was he sitting, drinking a cup of tea, contemplating the irony of the situation as he grieved the loss of his friend Jesus? Did Lazarus wonder, how could he save me, but not himself? Why? 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 Martha, who always captured me as someone who was so busy cooking, cleaning, hosting, was she doing that this day? I I don't think she was. Is she considering that she was never going to be able to cook another meal for Jesus again or welcome him into her home? I imagine Martha, a lot like myself, as being vibrant and chatty, But suddenly, in this moment, unable to lift herself from the chair as she stares into a full cup, unable to even bring it to her mouth to drink it, overwhelmed by shock and grief of what just occurred. Martha's sister Mary, sitting quietly, crying in another room, as she recalls washing the feet of Jesus, and then she imagines those same feet, bloody and bruised and nailed to the cross. The same feet she sat at as she listened and learned and absorbed wisdom from Jesus. I'm going to touch on Mary, Jesus' mother. The pain she must have felt on that Saturday. This is a pain I know. This is a pain I've sat in. This child who was destined. Jesus, he was destined for so much greatness. She loved him so deeply. She carried him in her wombs, and she carried him in her arms. Ah, poor Mary. I imagine Mary just crying the name of Jesus out over and over and over again, wishing everything was different. The thing about Mary that sets her apart, aside from being Jesus' mother, was that She was the only one who genuinely knew, who authentically had solid proof that her son was the Messiah. Jesus was her firstborn. She was told of his impending arrival by an angel. She risked so much in carrying Jesus and in raising him. He was perfect and he was the Savior, but he was also her son and she loved him so much, as any mother loves her child. So while she knew what was going to happen, and she knew raising Jesus was not going to be an easy task, it had been foretold to her even when they dedicated Jesus at the temple. Mary had been told that Jesus would be the rise and the fall. She would experience great pain, like a sword piercing her soul. She knows now what that foretelling meant. She knows the pain now of that piercing. We don't know what Mary was doing on Saturday. It's not something really discussed in the Bible. I imagine she was recalling memories and moments. Parents can be really hard on themselves. I mean, I I think a lot of people in here are parents, um, and you've experienced this. We criticize so much of what we do. And so, I wonder, do you think Mary was sitting and wondering if she could have done something different? Could a different of action that she had chosen or taken along his journey have saved Jesus from what happened the day prior? Can you imagine being the perfectly imperfect mother to Jesus, who was himself, in fact, perfect? I mean... (laughs) If you look back, can you imagine what it was like for Mary when they left Jesus at the temple? <laughs> um, I mean, we all make mistakes, but that must have felt awful to have left the perfect son of God behind, to have forgotten him. Um, it's, uh, I'm sure Mary questioned and doubted herself so often while parenting Jesus, but I'm also sure at the same time she was so grateful that he was an author of forgiveness. I imagine on Saturday that Mary was pleading with friends and family to have hope. She was, after all, the one, the one who had the most proof that Jesus was who he said he was. So maybe she was reminding everyone that Jesus would, in fact, return as he had promised. I can hear her saying he always did exactly what he said he was going to do. Why would this moment be any different? Of course he's coming back tomorrow. Of course my Jesus is coming back tomorrow. He has always done what he said. I also think maybe Mary was saying that to convince herself as much as the people she was with. I mean, have you ever done that? Tried to convince yourself that something was true, said it so many times over and over and over again so you would in fact believe it yourself? I know, I know I've done it. <laughs> I know I've sat in moments where I have told myself something until I believed it. Um, I think Mary was probably doing that that day. Grief is deep. And it's blinding to our senses. And I'm sure Mary was inconsolable as she begged people to remember that Jesus was going to follow the promises he had made. But I know that she was clinging to hope deeper than anyone else. I think the reason why we don't sit in Saturday very often, why it's so hard for us to imagine this day, is that we have the benefit of knowing that Sunday happens. So we we are living in in the future of this situation and we have that added benefit. We get to look back and go, yeah, Saturday was a hard day, Friday was terrible, but Sunday, like come on, we got Sunday. Um, We know that Jesus did exactly what he told. We know he comes back. We know the joy that lives in Sunday. So why do we get stuck in Saturday? Why do I want you to think about this? Why do I want this to to sit with you and, and, and take pause for consideration? I think that just because we know Sunday is coming, we can't just skip over this day and move on to the celebrations that come with the resurrection. The reason we need to acknowledge Saturday is because that's a space where we've all lived at a certain point in our lives. We are all Saturday people in our Good Friday world. I mean... Even if you just consider 2020 and where we're at so far in 2021, how many of you have mourned the loss of something this year? I mean, I don't think anyone has been immune to the fact that we are in some way or another stuck in this kind of weird space of the unknown. We've all had loss of normalcy. Saturday is this sort of middle battleground. It's in the moment um, that our lives are sitting in the unknown. And sometimes our Saturdays are small. There's small middle battles. You know you think? This loss of normalcy, some of, for some people that's been small. Um, I, I tease Mike all the time that he's been rehearsing for COVID his whole life as an introvert. He, he's, he's, he loves it. He gets to just stay home. Nobody's forcing him to socialize. He has told me that he likes to know his prison is unlocked. Um, which led to another conversation about our home being a prison. I mean, <laughs> I, um, but you know, for for some people, this idea of being stuck at home is not that it's not that terrible. Um, for some people, like me, gosh, it's terrible. I I hate it. I want to be out and with people and socializing. Um, I'm looking at Audrey right now, as so I know she's very much the same. She sends me emails telling me she doesn't care. She's going to come to church anyways. <laughs> um but you know we 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 have a variety of different Saturdays in our lives and sometimes these moments are small and sometimes these moments are big we're Saturday people when we stand by the sickbed of a friend or a family member and know that God will work this situation out for his good we're Saturday people in good moments when a baby's born and we pray over them that they will live a good and full life. That's a a wonderful moment, but it's a Saturday moment because we're stuck resting in hope and sitting in our faith that those things will happen. We're Saturday people when we partake in communion and thank God for the unspeakable gift, and we remember that the same Jesus will one day return. We're Saturday people when we believe peace will arise out of a conflict. I'm a Saturday person, like Levi Lasco. I've had loss. My life is now Saturdays. Even in our journey in Evelyn's treatment, we had a lot of Saturdays. We had Saturdays that sometimes lasted days in a row as we awaited test results. From scans, we had Saturdays that seemed to go on forever, as we clung on to hope. And now, much of my life feels like a Saturday as I wait for that precious day when the promises of God are gifted to me and I'll be reunited with her again in heaven. I will spend the rest of my life living in hope that Jesus' sacrifices and the promises of God are going to be granted to me. I am living out days of unknown, as I think so many of us are. Whether they are our big moments or our little moments, we're sitting in the unknown. Saturday's the gap between our faith and its fulfillment. If we want to live by the Spirit of the God who raised Jesus from the dead, we have to sit in hope and cling to our faith that that same Spirit lives in us that's the promises of romans 8 11 that that harper read for us this morning we have to take our sorrows our griefs our doubts and we hand them over to god knowing that sunday is coming and i just think if jesus can lug that giant cross up the hill that he can help you carry your burdens this type of surrender is so hard to do in so many ways because i think we cling to control and we cling to knowing, and we cling to a plan. I mean, especially type A personalities like me, I I like to lay it all out, my friends, and I like to follow that path. But God has said, nope, sorry, I am taking that away from you. So I have to surrender, and I think we all do, But I do believe that that type of surrender, when we just fully hand over and live in the unknowns, is one of the most beautiful forms of worship we can offer up to our God. We choose out of our own free will, the free will that was gifted to us by God, to hand those burdens over to him and allow Jesus to carry them. That is why Jesus carried that cross Up that hill that is why Jesus hung in that space and that is why on Saturday Jesus's body stayed in that tomb as we walk between the doubts and the shadows it's critically important to remember that God is willing to take our hurt and our pain that is held in our Saturdays but it's also important to remember that he is willing to weaponize it for his good In the midst of fear and uncertainty that Saturday holds, there's comfort to be found in placing our burdens onto the cross. There is assurance that removes fear as it builds in the presence of Jesus. We may be living in Saturday, but my friends, Sunday is coming, and that is where our great hope lies.
0: thank you heather wow as heather was speaking um, a story that we find at the end of the gospel of luke luke chapter 24 um, came to mind and it was about these two uh, followers of jesus one who was called cleopas two men and they had left jerusalem despondent um, and sorrowful uh, because their Messiah was crucified. And as they're making their way to Jerusalem, it's already Sunday, but they were still in Saturday mode. It was Sunday, he was risen, he had been risen, but these two men didn't know it, they didn't know it. They thought he was still on the tomb And along the way, the resurrected Jesus sidles up to them and begins a conversation and they were kept from recognizing him. And he begins to unfold the scriptures to them and begins to explain that these things were meant to be, but they didn't know that he was talking about himself. And they're so intrigued that they invite him to stay with them and have dinner with them when they get to the village and then he breaks bread and they their eyes are opened and they recognize him and they said weren't our hearts burning within us as he unfolded the scripture before us suddenly they understood that sunday had arrived the day of the resurrection And they no longer had to mourn their Savior who was crucified. I love what Heather said because the place that we live at in our world, and particularly this past year, is a place of hope. We hope that things are going to get back to some sense of normal in our world, in our communities, in our churches. But... Life in this world is kind of like Saturday because we're not in heaven yet, folks. The new creation is not yet. We're still in a fallen world. But here's the difference between us and those who have no faith. And if you're watching online and you don't have faith in Christ and your hope is not in in God, I just want to invite you, I'm going to close in prayer and I want to invite you to do just that. Sure, it feels like Saturday in this world. But we're waiting for Sunday, as Heather said, and we wait in hope. Hope is the word. I know Heather and Mike and Harper have a hope, and it's not a maybe hope. It's a certain hope that they'll be reunited with their daughter, Evelyn. And we live in the hope that we will be reunited with our loved ones and with our Lord. And so let's live there, and I'm going to just pray. And, uh, Father, I just want to ask that you would open uh, our minds and our hearts to, even though it feels like a Saturday, and it feels like things are not right yet in our world, in, in our lives, that we live in hope. And I pray right now that you would fill us with faith and hope during these times. And for those of you who are listening, if you're not living with that kind of hope right now and you're in a place of despair or despondency or discouragement, then I want to invite you right now to put your hope in God. And I'm going to invite you to pray with me and say something like this, Lord, I thank you that you came to earth and you... You offered up your body on the cross. You shed your blood. You offered yourself as a sacrifice for sin. For us, for me. So that we could have new life and a living hope. And a bright future, an eternal future, in the new heavens and the new earth. And right now, Lord, I put my faith in you. I trust you. I am going to trust you from this day forward. I'm not going to just depend upon what I see with my eyes and hear with my ears, but I'm going to live by faith. Give me the grace to do so. And Lord, help me to put my hope in you, no matter how hard it might be in this world no matter how difficult my life, Lord, even though it feels like Saturday, that I will live in the hope that Sunday's coming, that the day of the resurrection is coming, that heaven is coming. Thank you for Heather and for this message of hope. I pray for your blessing upon that family and upon all of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.